Hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so uh, let's see, a little bit of catch up here. Uh, again, not a ton has happened, just getting more and more finely fine-tuned, dialed in for uh, for hunting season and stuff. So um, I'm at this point, I'm actually like sharpening rod heads and getting actual shafts and everything ready and, and clocked and everything like that. Um, let's see, I, I took out all three of my bows. Um, really not sure which one I'm going to head out into the woods with, honestly. Uh, recently, I've started for some reason. Uh, if I get sloppy with my ASL, I'm shooting to the left a little bit by like th like three inches, sometimes more, right? Um, unless if I drop my bow arm or if I don't have like a solid firm grip on it, uh, I tend to, for some reason at the shot, like torque it in my hand. And uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those things like you go through periods with certain bows where it gets in your head and you're just not clicking with it for some reason or you do something stupid with it and it just exacerbates the problem um <clears throat> but i found that if i'm actually like holding on to it like firmly like i'm supposed to um and and, and doing what i'm supposed to be doing then i'm then it's going where it's supposed to be going so it's got a nice heavy arrow i believe i'm about like 600 ish grains i think on that one and i keep going up and down on different tip weights and stuff um but that one is going to be with the aluminums uh, the 2016s, they are 30 and a quarter inch long. I've got a hundred grain brass. Yeah, hundred grain brass. And I believe they're shooting, I've got the hundred and, well, they're 175 grain swamp sharks, but they kind of clock in at about 185-ish or something like that. So um, those are super, super sharp. I was actually able to sharpen those things. Um, I got a jewel stick and it's like super fine it doesn't really sharpen very well and i'm, I'm kind of underwhelmed without actually using it but i kind of was able to use just like the six inch mill bastard file that i used to sharpen my zwickies and everything else and if you just kind of use the edge and just kind of go with the curve and just get a feel for how how, how to do it um i had no problems sharpening that uh you know along the the, the con the concave uh you know curve part of that of, of that broadhead and they're they're just super sharp right um, so I'm, <clears throat> and they're, they're, everything's flying great, by the way. So I'm, I'm super happy with that one. Um, so I got that one all ready to go. And then it took out the Grizzly again the other day. And just, just to kind of dial that in, um, you know, even more again, that's taking 150 grain, you know, 145, 150 grain tips on there. That's shooting, uh, the carbon, uh, the, the, the gold tip traditional, uh, uh, gold tip traditional is basically 600s. Um, Again, 100 grain brass on that one and a 145 grain tip. So I can shoot a variety of different tips on that thing. Um, I've got 150 VPAs that should be here pretty soon. I've got uh, uh, these 150 grain tooth of the arrow broadheads, by the way. I just did a review on that thing. So these guys called me up um, or contacted me, and uh, among other people, by the way, lots of other people, and said, hey, you know, do you want to do a review on this thing? Um, I said, well, I'm probably not your guy, you know, I don't, I'm not, you know, big buck killer. I don't really have a lot of success. And, um, plus I shoot a traditional bow. They're not really traditional heads. And they said, no, go ahead. Just review it. Fine. So they sent it. Um, I shot them, man, they're, they're, I was really, really impressed. Uh, lo local Minnesota company. Um, they're a four blade, like inch and three sixteenths cut. Uh, the one fifties are what I got. They, they weighed true. They spun true. They, uh, they were sharp out of the box, a little bit of deburring here and there on, on a couple of the blades, but, um, for an out of the box, out of the package, uh, you know, mass produced broadhead. Um, I was really, really impressed. It's a one piece, all steel machined, uh, you know, broadhead. So, um, flew really nice. And so I, I just, I just put out a, uh, a video on that one and, uh, yeah, I super impressed. Now what I, what I shoot that out of that grizzly, probably not. Cause I don't think it's got enough, um, <clears throat> oomph, you know, um, 
to be able to push that it's a pretty wide cut and it's a pretty steep angle on, on those blades but uh, I'll definitely definitely use them for small game I'll tell you that I mean I'll carry that much but uh, you know they come like 100 grain all the way to 175 something like that so you know if you've got a higher poundage bow or maybe a lot more arrow weight behind it uh, seriously take a look at these things because they, they flew awesome they flew amazing and uh, I was really really surprised with them so um, so check out that review definitely and uh, if you guys want to um, if you guys want a discount, they do have a discount code for people, you know, content creators, whatever, who, who uh, reviewed it. There's like a 10% discount code. If you, if you click through that video and click in the description, there's a, there's a link in there. So you can, you can go do that. So, so shameless plug over with that one. Um, <clears throat> also the, uh, this podcast is brought to you in part by the pack, the push archery center for knowledge. Um, by the you know the guys obviously over at the push uh, have not started those courses yet still getting stuff set up for it and I'm um, looking really really forward to that one but you know obviously those courses are proven so um, make sure you go check that out too you know go go through you know any of the I'll, I'll leave links in uh, any of the YouTube stuff and I'll leave links uh, may I'll probably leave it in this in the description for this podcast I mean I'm usually not used to leaving links in the podcast when I get kind of lazy about it but but I'll do that um, Let's see, today I just went and reviewed, speaking of the push, the uh, the Alpha Pack. So I got an Alpha Pack from them, and uh, I ran it today, ran it, used it today at the uh, archery range, just kind of running around doing stuff, uh, shooting, tuning. I was out with my Elkhart today, and uh, man, that is one nice, nice pack. Um, I did a video on it. It will be published uh, soon-ish. It may or may not be by the time you guys listen to this, but um, I'm super impressed with the build quality on that thing. I mean, I was not expecting it to be that nice, uh, that well-made, that heavy-duty, and uh, it's very comfortable. You put it on, you strap it on. Once it's tight, uh, honestly, you don't really, and unless you like overload it with like crazy, crazy stuff hanging off the side, it's very, very comfortable. I was, uh, I was, I was pretty, pretty impressed with that thing. So the Alpha Pack, Alpha Pack, definitely check that, uh, check that thing out. And speaking of the Java Man, so I took out the Java Man today, and I'm back to shooting carbons on that one uh, as well. So they are also 500 spine uh, regular insert, which is like a 12 grain insert. Um, and I think they're like 29 inch, maybe I, I think I got, I got to go measure. I can't remember, um, with a, uh, it's taking a 200 grain tip, right? So like two, two, two ten to two twenty up front total. Right. So with those ones, I'm just, I'm just going to use, I have a set of Zwicky Eskimos that have a 75 grain adapter in them. They come in at about two ten. I think it'll be just about perfect. I was kind of stump shooting a little bit today with uh, the practice broadhead I have, uh, flying really good, super quiet. Um, I'm just, you know, it's, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches. You know, it's a first, first world problems trying to pick out, uh, which, which bow that you're going to, you're going to go to the field with. So it's, it's a good problem to have. So I'm, I'm really lucky in that, in that, in that sense. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just chomping at the bit for, for, the season to come and I'm sharpening stuff and getting stuff fine-tuned now speaking of carbons versus aluminums um, I think <clears throat> I'm gonna head back toward the carbon route only because I think I can tune them just for some reason I don't know I can tune them a little bit better maybe just because um, you can swap out inserts a whole lot quicker I have more stuff for them right of course you can swap out inserts um, did my computer cut out again? Let's see. Maybe not. We'll see. Okay. Maybe because you can swap out inserts obviously with anything, but for some reason, I don't know. Uh, I, I like those gold tip traditionals. They fly nice, uh, total vanity thing here. I think they look nicer than just like the black aluminum. And I'm not a fan, like I said, of like the old school camo hunter, you know, arrows. I just like, it reminds me of like Rambo. I just, I can't, I can't do it. So, um, 
but I'm, I'm going to use up the aluminums that I have. And by the way, contact me. I've got like brand new, like I've got a dozen, it's a dozen and a half dozen, got a half dozen, maybe a dozen, I can't remember, uh, 1916s, right? 600 spine, uncut, brand new and not even fletched, ready to go. If you guys want them, contact me. Um, the shipping is the problem because anything over 30 inch now, uh, the post office charges like another 15 bucks. So it's not even worth it to me to like to, to ship these things to people. Um, and I got a bunch of uh, cut, uh, you know, 2016s which are the, you know, 500 spine and stuff. But yeah, I think I'm just liking that, you know, it was, it was fun. It was fun to try out. It was fun to do, but I, f I found that I was like ding, you know, dinging them up more. Um, and obviously I'm still, if I'm dinging those up, I'm going to be dinging up the carbon ones, but I've never had one like go kablamo on me. Um, and uh, I just, I just, for some reason, I just think the carbons are a little bit tougher and I like it. I'm used to it. I'm used to the, uh, the, the look of them and, you know, messing around with them. So I think I'm going to switch back towards the carbons and just, you know, leave, leave, leave well enough alone with, with what I got. And, uh, you know, obviously go through the, go through the aluminums as they get bent as, you know, as like practice arrows or whatever, as they get bent, um, <clears throat> toss them. So anyway, it was, it was a fun little endeavor, by the way, there's nothing wrong with them. If you guys want to go check out, like I've got like the the regular, you know, XX75 game getters, and they're like 55 bucks a dozen from Three Rivers, and like the Easton Jazz, which are like the 1916s, uh, they're also something like, uh, I think they were like 34, 35 bucks for half a dozen, wh whatever. So they come in at like, you know, f anywhere from 55 to 65 bucks, something like that for a dozen, for a dozen of them. And yeah, I mean, they're just, they're, they're pretty sweet. They're black and, you know, sleek looking, but again, vain me, you know, I just like the, f you know, I mean, if I was, you know, if I was real, right, uh, you know, broken arrow style, I'd be like into woodies and wood, wood uh, arrows, and maybe someday I'll go down that road, but I'm just going to stick with the fake wood looking carbons, and uh, I'm liking what, what that's doing, so, okay, anyway, uh, 10 minutes in here, again, I rambled so long, today's episode, again, my computer, come on, there we go, today's episode is, uh, I've got a guy by the name of Travis Shire, uh, he has a YouTube channel called Shedding Light Outdoors, and, uh, you know, he's, um, you know, lifelong hunter, um, just, you know, he's, 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 he's gone through the whole ringer, you know, of having success, not having success, frustration, that kind of stuff. Um, very positive guy. They, um, they have, they have, they have a couple group of them. When I contacted them originally, I got a response from another Travis and I'm like, well, I thought his name, last name was Shire. And we went back and forth and finally figured out well, there's two of them, two Travis's over there at Shedding Light. And, uh, you know, one shoots a stick bow, one, the other Travis used to shoot a stick bow, but went back to a compound. And he's a guy too, that I want to have him on, um, maybe all, all three of us or whatever after elk season, because, um, I want to hear hunting stories. I don't care what they shoot. Um, I don't care what anyone's shooting, but, uh, today is going to be uh, stick bow, Travis, right? Travis Shire. So, um, <laughs> once we got all the Travis, uh, situ the name situation, uh, sorted out, man, we had a fantastic, uh, fantastic conversation, super passionate guy. And there was like hours and hours that we left on the table that we could have talked more. So in fact, we were just messaging today saying, yeah, you know, we really got to come back after hunting season and just wrap up. Cause there's like a ton of stuff that, uh, uh, that could be talked about. So anyway, that's it. Um, please be sure to uh, like share and subscribe. Super important. Um, you know, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and especially this podcast, uh, greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. I mean, that's just how, 
uh, you got to feed the beast with this with this stupid social media thing, right? So if you want people to actually see this, and I want people to actually see this or hear this or whatever, if you like this content, then just do me a favor and just share it wherever you can. Talk about it, uh, like it, you know, make a comment, whatever. So some you know stupid AI bot says, oh hey, someone's actually listening to this guy. So, all right. So without any uh, any further ado, uh, here is my interview with Travis Shire. It catches up by the time. My, my, yeah. my catches up by the time. It's like 20 seconds in. Oh, 42 seconds in. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yes, it, it says it says recording the call, so that's good. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. So, um, I'm I'm gonna get your last name wrong. Is it Shirer? Travis Shirer? Shire. Shire. Yes. Like Shire. Like I'm, Shire. I'm I'm Shire than you. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, you don't you don't say that first R. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're like, is it like one half of shedding light outdoors? Yeah, so Shedding Light Outdoors, uh, that's, a, that's a group that um, we have five guys in it right now. And it actually actually started um, on my wedding day, uh, see, in 2015, my, my buddies, have been, we've been big-time hunters our whole life. And we were tinkering around with um, uh, recording our hunts. And we're like, let's, let's come up with a group and uh, let's put our hunts on YouTube. Uh, this is 2015, and we came up with the name Shedding Light Outdoors. My uh, my wife actually came up with that name. And I guess our, our ultimate goal is to reach hunters, contact hunters, and then point them towards God. You know, basically, when you're in creation hunting, it's pretty obvious that there's a creator. And I we just kind of uh, want to set a good example for the hunting community, and we want to, you know, just provide clean hunts and um, if we can, uh, share a message about God while we do it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I first got turned on to you, um, just, you know, obviously through YouTube. Right. And, yeah. um, I started watching all your, uh, uh, you know, your, your traditional content, obviously. And it was kind of funny, like we've talked about this, but the audience doesn't know. So when I reached out, right. Um, I, I reached out and, and, and I knew your last name, I didn't know how to pronounce it now, Shire, but it, but it was the way it was spelled. And then when I contacted, it was like Trevor Williams or, or uh, Travis Williams. And I'm like, wait a minute. Um, yeah. That uh, it, it didn't, you know, and then and then finally, like we went back and forth. Like, By the way, there's two of us here. Right, right. <laughs> Travis like, oh, Williams. that makes sense. OK, all right. That makes sense now. There's two Travises and we we're best friends from college. Actually, we, we met in college and the, in college they called us the Travi. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that, that, that can be very confusing. And, and he actually did experiment with the recurve there for a while. Um, but he's now shooting the compound again, but uh, he, he, he said, you better just take this call since it's geared towards traditional. So, um, yeah. And, and I would have been fine with, with both of you guys coming on too, because, okay. um, you know, at, at, at this point, like, I'm like, like, I'm not typically a, um, like I'm not a hey, let's hear about every single buck story kind of guy, right? Gotcha. I mean, it's it's I mean, there's nine finger chronicles for that, right? Yeah. But I mean, for for me, man, it's like it's August now. We're recording this one August fourth, and I am like I am so so ready for like some hunting stories, and sure. I'm, I'm ready for for strategy. I, I'm just I'm just itching to get back in the woods, you know. So um, I wouldn't have minded talking to anybody at this point. I got you. I got you. Well, I, we can talk about that. We can talk about yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, and maybe Travis would come on another podcast because he, because he does have some traditional experience. And yep. um, so and you guys a do a podcast, too. Right. We can plug that yeah. one in. You, you guys do the shedding, shedding light outdoor. Is yeah. it shedding light? 
yeah. Shedding Light Outdoors podcast, and Travis Williams is the host of that. And that's kind of just geared towards um, hunting stories. Basically, um, anybody who's got a hunting story and wants to share it, Travis will interview them and uh, get that story out there because we kind of realized a lot of podcasts we really enjoyed they were actually telling a hunting story you know like how the how the hunt went down what the weather was like that day what what their strategy was and uh, so he just kind of unpacks hunting stories from your average joe and uh and that that's on that podcast so yeah that's uh, and i haven't had a chance to listen to uh, i I've, I've watched a couple of them on youtube because you put them on youtube a couple of them right and yeah there's um, a couple on youtube and then there's also my bucks um with the from the last two seasons um, he did two podcasts on that. If you go back and search and you can hear the very detailed story of, of those bucks. And we, we do have a couple on YouTube, but probably Apple is the best way to, to get that. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't put j- just kind of an aside here as like another, like a creator, like, do you, um, do, do you find you get, you get good, um, I don't know, engagement, feedback, whatever exposure through, if you put, if you put any of that stuff on YouTube, as far as like just podcasts go, or, or, um, or not. I, I, I know our podcasts get less views off of YouTube um, than our regular videos. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think they, they make a difference because, I mean, you will get comments, you'll get likes, uh, but not near as much as you would from like an actual video. Um, and, you sure. know, we've only got we've only got about twenty four hundred subscribers, so we're not reaching a giant crowd. Um, yeah, I'm just under that anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah me too. I, I, I'm just curious because I know other guys who uh, have podcasts and they've they've experimented with with putting just the audio out there, you know, um, yeah. even even if it's not like a, like a black screen and then just showing some images or whatever in the background. And I'm like, man, I, I, I don't and I, and I see that they don't get a lot of like views and stuff like that. I'm like, ah, I just uh, you know, I, I'm already doing enough with this other stuff. So I don't I don't necessarily want to go down that rabbit hole. But I was just kind of curious what your what your uh, experience was. Yeah, I don't have any stats or any. I'm not sure. I, I personally don't watch video podcast. I, I like to usually watch a, listen to it while I'm driving or sure. exercising, but yeah, I'm not yeah, for sure yeah. exactly. Yeah. Ditto. So let's back up a bit. So you said, um, you said you're like, a uh, you, you're like a handyman and you do, um, uh, yeah. kind of contract work like that. And you're in, you're in Ohio, right? I think. Ohio. Yeah. I'm in, I'm about 60 miles East of Columbus. Okay. Where 70 and 77 intersect. Okay. I'm not too, not too far from that right there. Okay. Um, I, in my previous, in my previous life, I was a, I was a race car mechanic. So I, I'm, we used to go to mid Ohio. I don't know if you know where mid Ohio, um, uh, it's in Lexington, Ohio there. Yeah. I've, I've driven by it. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I used to, used to make that trip like, you know, once or twice a year. So yeah. Um, beautiful area. I mean, just rolling Hills. Um, I've, I've never been, it's the Southeast corner that has like the, uh, like the big state forest and stuff, right. That's like really, really hilly and rocky. Uh, there's state forest. Um, around so- South Central, there's a lot of state forest, and then Southeast has has some state forest too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's like yeah, Wayne yeah. National Forest, which is Wayne. That's the one. Kind it is, of, yep. That's kind of almost directly south of Columbus, about 60 miles. Okay. So. And yeah. so let, let's talk a little bit about about just you then, for as far as uh, how how you came into this. I mean, did you grow up sure. hunting, hunting family, or what's, yeah, uh, what's yeah. the story there? I'd love I'd love to tell you. Sure. Um, so from my earliest memory, I don't know, whenever you can remember three or four, I, I've been shooting a bow. Um, my dad was a big traditional archer. Um, he shot a long bow um, while I was growing up. And I, I can't remember any phase of my life where I, I wasn't shooting a bow. Um, and 
so I, I would I would as a kid like in the summer basically my my summer days were passed by either tossing a baseball up in the air and hitting it around the yard or taking a, a bow and a couple arrows and shooting at hay bale shooting walking around stump shooting and this this is at like five six seven eight and um so when, when i was nine years old uh, my my I, I was I've been fletching my own arrows I think since I was eight, and <laughs> <That's so cool. laughs> uh, yeah, like I went through a stage where I hunted with a with a crossbow a little bit and with a compound and and I would still fletch my arrows with with those because I just enjoy the whole arrow putting together process. Sure. But uh, but but about the age of nine, I uh, my dad would let me use some old bear razor heads and uh, we we had a groundhog that that lived out out in the field by our house and there was a patch of tall weeds and. Um, I actually, I thought I was big stuff. I was nine and I, I screwed that broadhead on, I belly crawled and I got up to that patch of weeds and, uh, and that groundhog walked, uh, under the weeds and I shot him and the arrow went right in him. And, it, and then my dad came home, we dug him up and he was dead at the bottom of the hole. <laughs> so I, I basically cut my teeth on hunting groundhogs with the recurve bow and probably from the age of like nine to 14, I, I killed, I don't know, eight or 10 groundhogs with a recurve bow and uh i i would actually hunt them like deer i would because i knew my dad was a big time deer hunter and I'd, I'd wait for him to come out in the mornings and stuff and um i i really learned my woodsmanship i think on those groundhogs and you know of course i killed what i killed eight maybe and i probably missed 30 or 40 but i would i would i would spot them from 300 yards away and i'd make a stock on them and that, that was just how i how i passed my my time as a kid and my, my dad, he was a longbow hunter. Every time he would shoot one, um, shoot a deer, he'd take me out to recover it and um, took me hunting a lot. Got me really involved. And I think my love of hunting probably came from from him, um, I would say. But I, I totally grasped, grasped onto it for myself. And uh, so is this okay? Is this kind of what you Oh, no, no, absolutely. Or? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, he – so uh, – so my dad, my dad's rule was I, before I could, so by the time I was, let me just back up a little bit. So by the time I was in high school, um, my dad had blown up both of his shoulders. He, he, he shot an 80 pound bow for years. Oh. And by the time I was about 14 or 15, he, he could no longer pull a bow back. Um, and he's had three shoulder surgeries. So that's, I just wanted to put that out there that 40 pounds is not a bad option if you're mm -hmm. wanting to preserve your shoulders, but, um, I saw that firsthand, but anyway, so he, I had to shoot a, a deer with a recurve before I could use the crossbow at that point. And so when I was, uh, I believe 15, I ended up shooting my first deer with the recurve. And at that point, um, I went to the crossbow and cause I, cause honestly at that point in my life, my friends all shot the crossbow and, and recurves were actually considered like a, a bad thing like oh if you hunt with a recurve you wound animals and, and and you're not accurate so don't want to hunt with a recurve and so i did that through college with a with a crossbow and then as soon as i was out of college but but during that time i would always shoot shoot my recurve every time i was at my parents house i'd i'd be out there shooting my recurve i just hunted with the crossbow sure yeah. and uh so then after college i bought a compound um and then shot that at that time out of college i was working a a real stressful retail job. I was a, a store manager, had long hours. And I knew I didn't have time to practice a lot. So I hunted with the compound, but, but still shot the recurve. So then 
around 2015, I got married and, and I was able to transfer jobs and I went to a, a job that was less stressful. I had more time. So I'm, it's 2016. It's a spring day and I'm, I'm watching uh, Dan Fitzgerald shoot a deer with a recurve on, on my YouTube. And I'm like, you know what? If Dan can do it, I can do it. So I drove to the store. I bought a 45 pound bear grizzly and nice. actually gave my compound to a buddy uh, so he could use it for the summer and that, that hunting season. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. This is, this has got to be easy. No big deal. So I practiced all summer and, and just to back up a little bit, my, my, my shooting style, but I kind of got it from my dad and it was purely instinctive. Um, and, and I guess that my early years I was shooting a, am I, am I talking too much? No, no, I, this is perfect. Yep. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So my early years when I was in, you know, middle school and high school, um, I shot, I shot, it was a bear, maybe I can't remember what bear boat was, but it was probably only 54 inch AMO. And, um, so it was like 60 pounds and I'd be lucky if I was drawing at 25 or 26. Sure, I, was, yeah. I was a, I was an instinctive snap shooter and I had no control over my shot. Like, well, I mean, I can't, I don't say no control. I, I couldn't hold it full draw if my life depended on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And, and I guess my, my excuse, if, if I miss a shot, it's because I didn't pick a small enough dot and I didn't focus hard enough on it. Like yeah. that was, that was all I knew. Um, and so that's how I shot that bear all summer. I, I would just pick the tiniest little spot, and um, if I if I missed it, I'd be like, ah, man, I didn't look look hard enough at it. So yeah, I practiced all summer, and so that fall came, and over the course of 2016 and up to the middle of October 2017, um, I I shot it. Well, so I'm in a really target rich environment. There are a lot of deer around, and I'm I'm lucky to have a couple private farms that that have good numbers, and I shot at 13 deer over one and a half seasons. Oh my goodness. And and I only killed two of those deer. I either missed or sadly made bad shots on uh, 11 of the 13. And yeah. uh, I was I ha- I hung it up um about m- middle of October 2017. I I got my compound back and, and killed a nice buck and a couple of those with that. And I pretty much 2017 walked away from the trad bow as like an unethical way to hunt. And but but what something though about it i actually had fun shooting it so i yeah. can continue to tinker with it like like shooting it for me is fun um i like watching the arrow fly and i've always kind of been i'm always good at like sports you know like darts or a little bit of putt putt or you know like uh, frisbee like, like all hand eye coordination kind of hand eye coordination sports yeah. have always come natural to me and i've always enjoyed and been drawn to it so <clears throat> Anyway, I had the bear around and I still shot it, but didn't hunt with it. Anyway, so is this is this kind of what you want? The just kind of my story? oh no no absolutely yep yep perfect. Okay, I, I feel like it's, <laughs> yeah don't, it's, don't don't worry, dude. You're <laughs> all right. You're I appreciate. It. I'd like I'd like to tell it because I I feel like it could help some people. So no, um, that's that's that, that's exactly why why I wanted to. I mean that, that that's kind of looking aside here. I mean that's exactly why I like talking to just various types of people because then I get to see like how they grew up, why, why they do what they do and just the different types of, you know, like, like 
you know, shooting styles and uh, the struggles that they went through. Because, like, everyone, you know, everyone thinks, like, oh, man, I'm the only one that's, like, you know, um, you know, shaking when I draw this bow back and I don't know what I'm doing. And everyone seems to put up all these pictures on, you know, of success stories on Instagram. And, and you know, they're shooting perfect, uh, you know, perfect uh, uh, targets and stuff. And it, it's not the case. No, you know? it's not. That's not. So, but yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep going then. And yeah, and yeah, keep it, keep it, keep it going. Hopefully, this <laughs> helps somebody. So, in this will be the spring, um, early spring of 2018. I'm like, you know what? There are some guys out there. I know they're shooting these traditional bows well, and I know they're accurate. So I started looking up podcasts and, and trying to find information. And I, I ran into the Push uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and I watched their video, their their main video. It's got like 1.7 million views, and so I, uh, I, I, I learned about the tip of the arrow, aiming with the tip of the arrow had never crossed my mind. I never even knew that was an option. I didn't even think <laughs> I never even seen the arrow in my peripheral vision. So I, uh, I went ahead and I, I ran outside with my arrow, my bow, and I even tried a little bit of a fixed crawl. I drew it back and put the tip on this bottle of water and I smacked it. I hit the water water. I'm like, Oh my goodness, what is going on? So <laughs> my, my group's automatically i had i stopped having as many flyers um and i'm like okay so this is kind of fun and so i kind of dug into their podcast and found joel turner and see so joel turner i took as soon as i found out about it so this is something to know about me like i'm a i'm an eternal realist um i i'm a i'm almost to the pessimistic point of realism (laughs) sure but uh, my, my wife my wife is a dreamer so yeah, we have some interesting conversations, but I, I like to know how things work. I like to uncover what, if they're not working, I like to figure it out. If they do work, I like to know why. So I'm yeah. like, okay, so this mental control thing, there's got to be something to it. So I take Joel, Joel Turner's course. I, I jump right into it. And the, so I put a clicker on my bow and the, the most revolutionary thing of the whole, whole process was separating the aim from the release like okay. all my entire life my aim has caused me to release I, I that's all i did was aim aim harder 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 and that that was the the connection to my release so once i i could actually aim and hold on aim and hold it as long as i wanted to and that was such a that was such a relief i had never felt that freedom before in my entire life shooting a well except for a compound but uh so anyway, so did, I, I did, did you get, the, did you, sorry, did you get, um, target panic with compound too? I did. Um, so, oh, actually I did. So by the time I was, so about, yeah. So I, with, with, with compound, I had target panic before I found out about Joel Turner. So I would actually, with the, with the compound, I would draw back, I would aim. And then there would be some shots. I would jump so bad. The arrow would sail over the target. I never find it again. Wow. And I had the the, the nerve. I, I I punched the I punched my release like I was king release puncher. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and so now, but now once I found out Joel's Joel's course, I could I could aim my compound, and then all I focus on is keep pressing, keep pressing. I pressing that trigger until it breaks, and and that that gave me com- confidence and control over the compound. But but I had no idea any of this mental control even existed. Um, so I'm not sure. Have you have you taken Joel's course or anything? Or I, I have not. And um, the good thing is, is I will. I mean, we just recently, um, you know, we started a little, I guess, call it a partnership. I hate calling it that because those guys are so huge and I'm so tiny. But um, I'm going to be 
uh, taking those uh, the PAC courses actually. So yeah, um, I nice. was offered the the opportunity to, to take them and then kind of promote it and stuff like that for for those you know for those guys with those guys. And I'm really really psyched about it. I'm really psyched about taking the Tom Clum course. I think I'm going to take that one first. Yeah, um, because sure. I wanna I wanna just you know. I, I wanted just like you. I kind of want to understand like the like what is it the biometrics? Is that, is that the yeah. was that is that the right term? I guess um, yeah, for for yeah, what's actually yeah mm-hmm. what's actually going on skeletal wise all that stuff. And then I'm gonna uh, do the you know the Joel, Joel Turner course. But yeah, I'm pretty psyched to be taking those. Haven't started yeah, yet though. Yeah, I think with the solid solid archery mechanics with Tom Clum, they, they have a another section out where it actually it kind of skips all the all the big long videos and, and it's actually a short track to to getting accurate i think so that's what that i heard like, yeah yeah sounds like a benefit but but well here's an advertisement for you so i told you how i shot at those 13 deer and only killed two since i've taken joel and tom's course in 2018 i've shot at 14 deer and i've killed 12 of them with good shots and wow. the, the the two misses um one of them i hit a little limb i didn't see deflected and then I had a doe literally turn inside out and totally duck my arrow. And those are the only two misses I've had. But anyway, so we can go back. Um, so that's that's your little advertisement if you want to. Yeah, take yeah. That. Oh, perfect. I'm a big I'm a big fan of those guys. And I, I think they're they're doing a good thing for traditional archery. But uh, uh, yeah, anyway. absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. So I got the clicker on my bow in 2018. And the first two deer I shot that year, I, I double long one. And the second one I shot through the heart. And. With the clicker, uh, it kept falling off my bow. Every time it would rain or I'd get wet, it'd fall off. And I got tired really? of messing with it. So maybe I wasn't doing something right. So What I, did I you use, the, by the way, if um, I may it ask? Was, what? It was the clickety-click and um, just the adhesive on it I, is what I used. Um, just whatever comes with it? Yeah, whatever comes with it. Um, and it, it came off a couple times. And, and then once it came off, you'd have to readjust it to get it just right. And I, and I just got tired of tinkering with it because – I had learned what I needed to learn to have control over my shot. Um, and that was, that was separating the aim from the release. Uh, so, so I actually experimented with feather to nose after that, um, feather to nose and I couldn't really feel it very well, but, but what I did like is, um, when I would block into my back. So, so my mantra, uh, Joel talks about mantras is my, my first step is to lock in. And that's to lock my scapula against my spine with my rhomboid and my lower trapezius. And then I also, at that lock-in point, I have the arrow touching the tip of my nose. So I basically have that as a rear sight. As long as that feather is touching the tip of my nose, my eye always lines up the same with the tip. And and I have that back locked in. So once I'm locked in, then I go to there it is, and I see I see the sight picture that I want to see. And then, and then I would go to um, my shot activation, which I I have I did not shoot with a shot activation. Um, well, I can, so if I, I can tell you, so for shot activation, my next step was to go with a grip sear. Okay. And I put a. By the way, I want so, to come back to some of these. I want to let you finish doing what you're doing, but I want I want to kind of okay. dissect some of the stuff when we come back. So go ahead. Sure, sure. So I got a little electric. I found Logan Glasper and I stopped into Attaboy's Archery and got. So he had a little electronic button, like you get off Amazon, they're about the size of a dime and you, you push them and they click. And I taped it to the front of my riser. And so that was my, that was going to be my psycho trigger. But I found that every time I would push completely through that trigger, 
I would lose back tension and collapse and my shot would be six to eight inches to the right. So oh, wow. I, so what I figured I, I started doing was I would just get locked in, find my sight picture, and then I would just touch my finger to it. And then that would be my permission to go ahead and release. And I shot really well like that. I was able to separate aim from release without pressing all the way through it. So you, and so you just touched it and I just not touched, necessarily like activated it, right? Right. Exactly. I, I okay. just, uh, yeah. So, so I just laid my finger on it and then that was my permission. I didn't, I didn't let go exactly when I touched it, but at that point I was moving on towards the release and leaving the aim behind. Um, and I shot that way a couple of years and I, I just figured out something and I think I know why it works. So I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell anybody this or not, but it's, Joel, Joel Turner was talking to Christian Williams from Archery Strong and uh, Christian, Christian's a great guy. If you wanted to have someone on the podcast, he, he's actually my coach. Um, he's so, like a, like a um, fitness. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a, physical therapist that specializes in archers and okay yep um but since my i told my rotator cuff and since then i've been doing strengthening exercises with him and um which by the way that's that's pretty epic if, if you're into archery and, and, you, and you shoot a bow a lot it's a pretty good idea to to invest in your muscles and, and and keep them healthy and um i wish i would have started doing it sooner but anyway so uh so he 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 told me that joel showed him an etar um so so you draw the bow back and you your middle finger's resting on the riser um yep. so you draw it back middle finger on the riser you, you acquire your aim where you want it and then you take your finger off of the riser and then that gives your body permission to go ahead with the release so it's almost like a safety on a gun why why that finger's on there you're comfortable you can aim you know the shot's not going to go off and then once oh, you get where you need okay. to be, you remove the finger from the riser and then you can follow, follow into your shot. Now, I'm not sure if, if I'm supposed to be making that public or not, but it's helped me a ton. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> okay. I think I discovered it back in 2019 by actually resting my finger on the, on the sear. So I kind of, I kind of did a reverse thing of it, I think. And, and I didn't even realize what I was doing, but it, but it was working for me. Um, hmm. And so anyway, I, and I want to say this, like, I don't have it all figured out. It's, it's a constant battle to not let the aim dictate the shot. Like, it's not like I, I know these things. So now it's just a piece of cake. Um, I mean, you got to continually embrace it and continually work at it. Um, so I don't want anyone to hear it and think uh, he's got it all figured out because I'm, I'm still learning. Um, so, but, okay. So, so we, we can stop real quick here. So, um, let's, let's kind of back up. So out of all of these that you tried, right. Yes. Um, is there like, is there, is there a common theme? It seems to me that is a common theme where like, no matter what the actual trigger is, yeah. it's, it's more about separating, um, separating your brain from, uh, the actual like shot activation, you know what I mean? Or, or separating yes. like, like you said, going back, like separating the aim from, uh, whatever. Now, did you find that whatever you tried, let's say with a clicker and then you went with like a, like a, like a grips, not kind of like a grips here, but not necessarily whatever, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Did you end up kind of getting, let's say clicker panic from it or grips here panic from it, you know, you, cause you get a honeymoon stage, right. When it was like, Oh my God, yes. this, this thing works great. Cause I did that with a clicker. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I've had clickers on and off of my bows for, I mean, a bunch, right? Now they're all off. They're, they're gone. They've been gone for many, many months. I've, I threw them away um, because I find that whether I do the clicker or the feather to nose, um, at first it works fantastic, right? Because yeah. you're doing it. But then I get clicker panic or I get feather to nose panic or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. So I thought, Personally, I thought, well, if I'm getting the same kind of either shot activation or whatever, like the, like the purpose is to like constantly keep pulling tension, you know, pull back, pull back until you get to a, um, some sort of like mental like release point, right? Yeah. Um, if I'm doing that with either a feather or something else or with a clicker, then why have the clicker on there? Because they're, they're, they're accomplishing the same things and they're also getting the same amount of quote unquote panic from the same things. Did you find, did you find that to be the same? I did. Um, I would get. With the clicker, I did get some anxiety with that. Like the closer it got to clicking, yep, the more nervous I got. Um, you hang up maybe, like maybe an eighth inch from a click. <laughs> What's that? Like you hang up like an eighth inch from it going click, right? Because yeah. you know, you know, we're like I'm using air quotes here. Your full draw should be right, but you're within yeah. like a quarter inch one way or another. But then that yeah. last little bit, that expansion, I still struggle with it. That last little expansion part. Um, and 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 it, it even makes it worse because you're like you're telling yourself, man, it's only an eighth of an inch. It's like, how can you not pull an extra quarter quarter inch? But the way yeah. your, your brain locks you up mentally is just astounding. I'm like, oh my god, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a constant battle to have full control over it. Um, I would say for sure. And um, you know, so I mean, honestly, if you have a good back tension and your scapula is locked in, um, you can actually shoot really good scores by letting your aim dictate your release um i guess what i mean by that is um not 100 but you can you can walk in your back you can get yep. your aim and you can confirm that aim and then uh, it's almost like an immediate release after that's confirmed and i i do i have fought that before um and i i have to sometimes reset myself by drawing and just looking at my sight picture draw draw holds i guess is what it would be but you can actually get um yeah, I think if you get your back locked in and you can shoot. And so it's it's tempting because you can shoot really good scores and really good shots by letting your aim dictate your release. There's a fine line there when your aim, when your release starts to come too soon. And and then that's when you get jumpy and, and start having some wild shots. So, yeah, um, it's, it's not like a, it's not something where I guess you just uh, one day you figure it out and then you never go back. It's. It's a constant. It's a constant grind to be in control of your shot. I guess does that make sense? No, per, per, perfectly. So, so where are you at now as far as um, uh, what what's working for you that way? Okay, so really, I'll, I'll be honest. Since I've started doing the workouts with Christian, my my back muscles are stronger than ever, and I am way more in in control and in charge of my bow. I think than I was before I started working out. So hmm. once my I, I feel more comfortable at full draw. Um, so once my back's engaged and the feathers on my nose, I feel really comfortable. And I, and I keep that, I keep that finger on the riser and then I release, I take the finger off the riser and then give, give my body permission to release. And I guess once the fingers off of the riser, the only thing I'm thinking about is flexing that scapula to my spine and then, and then the shot breaks when it wants to. Um, there's, there's still that you still got to fight it. And, and the, once the aim is established, your body wants to, to, to just 
let go of it. Um, and, it and it's a constant, um, it's a constant, uh, I don't know if you want to call it battle, but, but you got to be aware of it or it'll creep back in and you'll be releasing. Like, see, see when your aim is dictating your release, that's when you hear guys say, oh, I rushed it or, oh man, I, just, I shot too soon. And, and that's where it becomes a problem. And, uh, does that make sense? Oh, uh, no, to, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So do you feel like right now you're in like total control? Um, and, and it's, it's, uh, if I'm I don't in say, my head, I don't, yeah, I want to say it comes easy, but like, have you kind of like you're, you're, you yeah. can say with confidence, yep, I'm in control all the time. Um, yeah, I'm in control 97% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I was at ETAR and I shot the, um, I shot in front of the biggest crowd I ever shot in front of, um, it's for the, um, the wounded warrior project. And, um, I, 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 I controlled that shot. I, I went all the way through it and controlled it. And sometimes if I'm out practicing, I even did it on the course at ETAR a couple of times and, you know, I'll be chatting with my wife and, and I won't get mentally into the shot and I'll have a shot that's, you know, a foot or 15 inches off where I want it to be. I'm like, mm. I'm like, Travis, stay in the shot. You got to stay in the shot and don't bail out. There's, because your, your mind's constantly wanting to jump out of the shot and just get the arrow on its way. Um, so I, I would say t- if, if I had to, yeah, I, I feel like I am in control of it. Um, but if you're not aware of it, then you could, then you could creep back into it pretty quickly and let the, let the aim dictate your, dictate your release. Um, so you, so basically, aware. I mean, you're, you're still every single shot then having to like actively, consciously kind of concentrate i yeah. mean it's it's not oh, yeah. um you know like natural you know what i mean yeah. like you have to work for it every time yeah you have to work for it now <clears throat> i will tell you this there's been some deer that i've shot that i've went on autopilot and made a great shot and i i heard just jason westbrock talk about it, i think in a podcast one time and like in hunting situations autopilot is okay because you you should have done it enough in your backyard Yep. that you can you can make at least one on autopilot if you have to um but but if i'm like i've been shooting some some 300 rounds and i take a long time between arrows just to just to think everything through and i like to get my grip right i set my set my fingers right if i can if i can remember to set my grip and hook hook the string then i start going through my shot process that kind of like jump starts my shot process in my mind by gripping it and the handle and then the string um and but it is a grind every shot um now i can make some shots that are good well no i i don't want to say that i it's a, yeah i gotta think about it every shot a lot of times i'll shoot just one arrow like if i if i shoot shoot one arrow maybe two and then get them now if i if i go and shoot like six or seven eight arrows at one time i i am terrible <laughs> i am absolutely awful at I'm all I'm thinking about is just getting the next arrow moving on and moving on, moving on. And yeah. See when I, when I shoot, that's my problem. Like I won't, I won't like stop, slow down and yeah. then, um, take a long enough time in between, in between shots. Right. I mean, like, I just yeah. kind of want to be like, you know, pull one out of the quiver, shoot it, pull one out of the quiver, shoot it just cause yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I- anybody I'm sure that has any kind of, um, Oh, it, it, and I don't as far as like, like physiology or whatever. They'll tell you like, man, your muscles need a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I know? think I I mean, one time, I think it's like 
your muscles need 15 seconds after exertion. I heard 40. To, I heard 40 um, the other day. Just the other day, um, I read like is. 40. Yeah. But it ta- it's it's an, it's more than you would think to get the oxygen back into it to be able yeah. to to be able to repeat the same thing at the same level. So if you're yeah. shooting if you're shooting three arrows in 10 to 15 seconds, then you're shooting all of those arrows in a fatigued state, and there's no way to control that if you're fatigued. I don't think. Or right. control it completely, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I wanted to ask you, just kind of going back one more time for the um, uh, feather to nose, because that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, yeah. So, are you? You mentioned that you may not always be able to feel the the, the feather on your nose, especially if it's cold or got a face mask or whatever. Um, I haven't yeah. implemented it yet, um, for obviously for this this season. Do, what, what do you what do you find with that? Is is it working? So I I found a couple things. Um, I it's kind of funny. So if maybe I have a big nose, I don't know. But if uh, depending on where I touch it on the tip, if I if I touch it directly on the tip point tip mm-hmm. versus maybe like a quarter inch up mm-hmm. on the, towards the bridge of my nose, my my arrow will shoot if I touch it too low on my nose my arrow will be two or three inches higher versus if i bring it up just a little bit further and touch it just slightly up to the bridge of my nose so i found i I was getting i was getting well basically it's just adjusting your rear sight um Mm -hmm. i found a lot of height variation in my shot because i could never get it to the same spot um well i mean i could but it it, i had some random ones that that i figured out what was going on so i basically just started using the feather to nose as my i guess you would say the back wall of a, of a compound yeah you know so my my scapula is compressed against my spine and that arrow that feather feather is touching my nose um and and that way i can feel where it's at and confirm that it's in the right spot on my nose um so i i don't necessarily use the feather as a trigger um anymore i kind of that was kind of a temporary experiment now i think it could work i i think it can work um i just didn't have a lot of luck with it personally um but, but were you able, like were you able to feel it through like a face mask and things like that or in cold um, like did you implement a, that in my nose had to be ex- the nose had to be exposed to feel it um yeah i i did i ended up putting i ended up putting on the back of my feathers some like clutch tight glue to like firm the glue up so it was like a hard surface um oh. but I also found that in the heat of the moment, I would draw my bow further. So I would end up being at full draw and the feather was already touching my nose. So then I would just have to go ahead with the shot. Um, So I found some, I found some flaws with it. Now, like I say, there's, there's nothing wrong. I like the feather touching my nose at full draw. It's, it's a comfort, a confirmation that, that I'm doing things right. But as a trigger, I, I personally struggled with it a little bit. Yeah, I'm, um, so it, it's working for me just fine, you know, with, you know, in my house here, shooting down in my basement or, you know, at the range or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm finding just like you, depending on where it is on, on your nose, cause it hits the, just the side of my nose. But yeah. if you, if like your head position, for example, yeah. like you can, you can like cheat that and like shove your neck forward, like a quarter inch and, True. And like, oh yeah, it's feathered or nose, but you're really not in the same spot draw wise as you, you know, as, as you were from yeah. shot to shot. Number one, yeah. number two, you know, obviously, like I said, if you're going to wear a face mask and I'm going to be, and I, I typically wear like a light face mask, um, yeah. just to cover my face. Cause I got glasses and stuff too, you know, so there's enough shiny stuff going on in my face. Right. right. Um, 
and I've tried it a couple times and my nose is usually exposed anyway. So that's typically not a problem. But um, like I said, I, I kind of got into the um, realization that, okay, well, this is just like a clicker and I can get panic just like this one. So like yeah. what you said was if, if the sooner that I can kind of yank that thing back um, <clears throat> and actually touch my nose, right? And mentally yeah. it's like, okay, it's touched my nose. And yeah. then I can go through with like some sort of like back tension routine. That's mm -hmm. working best for me because I, I find that no matter, <clears throat> no matter like, of course, draw length matters, but yeah. I typically get a better release and better arrow flight. Um, if I have some sort of positive, like a rearward movement or positive, you know, I guess you would call it what scapular engagement is that, you know, yeah. I, I, again, I don't know the term, but, uh, like back tension kind of pulling through. Yeah. Um, I get a better arrow flight. Um, even if it's a little bit of a shorter draw, like shot to shot, it's yeah. still better than if I were to always be at like, let's say the exact same draw, but I, I do a dead release or a pluck one way or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That so, makes sense. yeah. So I constantly have to work on just expanding. That's my number one thing since like, like day one. Um, has been trying to expand and uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at now plus you know it, it I'm sure you found this too like depending on how you have that arrow clocked a little bit you know the way the feathers are yeah I mean it, it doesn't take much you can do like one degree of rotation like up or down one way or another and yeah. it's going to hit slightly different especially because yeah. I'm using I'm using parabolics right so yeah. it's on a curve you know and okay. if you're looking at the back of the arrow the curve is going away from you obviously because it's the back of the feather yeah. and it doesn't take much for that to go you know if you if you, if you turn that uh, let, let's just say it, it's clocked just you know a couple degrees different than a previous arrow then that feather yeah. isn't exactly hitting exactly where the last arrow was, you know what right. I mean? So you gotta be, you gotta be conscious of that and not, you know, uh, kind of use it, but like understand like where the flaws are in that system, like shot to shot to shot, you may not be getting the same feel, um, you know, and Absolutely. Yeah, kind of deal with that. Yeah. I found the same thing. Yeah. And I, I use shield cuts so I can feel them better, but, but yeah, that's very critical of exactly where it touches the nose for, for accuracy. But, yep. Yep. So, so now one thing I, so I mentioned instinctive, how I struggled with instinctive. And, um, so one thing now that I've been able to separate the shot or the, the aim from the release is I, I've been experimenting some more with instinctive mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm a better instinctive shooter now that I've got some mental control. And I guess I was experimenting for during turkey season because my gap was so big at like 10 or 12 yards on a turkey like my yeah. tip would be at the feet so i was picking out like little arrow holes or a little speck of foam on my target and i was able to to hit them very consistently and it's kind of nice what i'm finding now is if i i'll pick a spot that i want to hit you know how i aim small I miss small mm -hmm. i'll pull back I'll get where I need to be. And then I'll just take a, a look and confirm that my tip's in the right place. And, you know, 90% of the time it's, it's already in the right place. So I'm, yeah. when I, when I talked about how bad I was instinctively, I, I don't want to knock instinctive shooting because I, I think there is some value to it, but I think you have to have a good grip on your mental side of, of things. And, um, if, if your only advice is that look at the, the spot that's a little bit smaller or stare harder, that mm -hmm. might not be, that might not be what you need to, to be the best instinctive shooter. 
Um, no, I, I, I know it that. wasn't for me. No, you're, yeah. you're right. hundred percent. I agree with that because, um, for, for me, and again, I'm not talking for anybody else, but I mean, I've tried all of it. I, I can't do gap because it's just too much of a, in my mind, it doesn't make sense to put something like 18 inches, two feet, whatever below something I want to hit. It doesn't make sense. I like a six o'clock hold, you know, but not yeah. that much of a six o'clock hold enough to be like, okay, I can look down the shaft and be like, okay, it's kind of pointed where it's kind of supposed to be. The arrow is straight, not the, you know, not, you know, the back mm-hmm. of the arrow is not kicked out one way or another. So I'm in, you know, a line it that way and then i change my focus to you know concentrating on the spot that i want to um that i want to hit and like you said after like thousands and thousands of thousands or tens of thousands of shots you know you start to get more of that um i'm using air quotes here instinctive you know because you do see it and everything just kind of you go through like a really quick mental checklist of that like visual snapshot of how the sight picture looks and then you're just like okay this is going to work right yeah um so i think over time Again, this is my opinion, but I've I've heard it others say it too. Like if you know if if someone starts off shooting like with a dedicated aim, or some sort of whatever, over time, their mind develops that um, like it, it just ve- it's just a lot quicker at um, uh, what do you call it? Like examining that that sight picture. Yeah, and your, being, o- being okay with picture. it. Yeah, you, you spend less time confirming everything and and more time like okay, I'm just going to focus on the spot, and it just happens. Yeah. So that's 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 kind of where I'm at, but I still have to do the the expand thing properly <laughs> yeah oh yeah because if i don't everything else doesn't matter it just it just goes to crap that makes sense <clears throat> see yeah. i i think i like archery because there's not a perfect one way one size fits all way to do it i mean there's yeah. there's basic guidelines but but everybody can kind of be their own person within those guidelines and, and make it work and you know for like expansion works good for you but personally for me if i try to do too much movement I end up throwing my shot off and I, I like to totally jam that scapula against my spine. Mm -hmm. And then I just stay locked there through the release. And I I do think, I think about that muscle, but I don't actually think I'm moving it. Um, and I don't, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know, but that's, that's what works for me. Um, it's, it's funny. Like, like how, how everything changes too. like what, what we, um, what we find out about like what people are actually doing the more we get into this like for the longest time we've been told expand 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 right you know it should yeah. be moving backwards whatever that kind of thing and i believe it was i, I could be wrong so sorry joel if it's uh but i i believe i heard joel turner on i think one of the push podcasts i believe or maybe it was with aaron snyder i can't remember but you know he came out with the and it wasn't really discussed much. It kind of went over it pretty quick that, oh, yeah, by the way, this was like for compound shooters even, right? Yeah. But they're like, oh, yeah, well, those guys don't really do the back tension thing. I mean, because they're so – they're those guys are so, so dialed in. I mean, you literally have to be like splitting the middle of the X every single time or else you're not at the top of the game, right? And we're talking like right. the Levi Morgans and whatever the world. And he was like, yeah, those guys don't really – do back tension anymore they just know when to execute that shot and it's like whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute we've been told <laughs> we've it's been drilled into us like like yeah. this is what you have to do and expand 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 and the, yeah. and he's like no that's just that, that even that little bit of tiny movement is way too much movement for what those guys uh need you know what i mean right so yeah. after that i was like you know <laughs> there's i mean i know there's more than one way to do this but like mm. i it, it's like you, you gotta because because back tension has always been kind of like the holy grail of yeah. of um you know when when someone's like teaching archery you're talking about archery and how to do a good shot and it's like well apparently that's not the case <laughs> Real. yeah i mean it's you know i've seen you know you talk about you talk about too like 
you hear how the hands got to come back right on the shoulder. Yep. I've, I've seen some epic shooters where the hand doesn't do that, you know, so mm-hmm. obviously it's working. <laughs> but did you, you know, did just, you watch Lancaster uh, Classic this year? Any of the? Uh, I mean, I watched I, the finals. Did you watch any? Yeah, of that? I watched all of it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, okay, I saw, so uh, somebody. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of different hand motions after the release. You'll you'll see even in those top shooters. Somebody mentioned on the on on the push uh, Facebook group there about right after that, and the and I had noticed it. Um, but I'm glad someone else said it. They're like, and they, you know, they kind of put it out there. Like, did you guys watch the, you know, there's not a damn one of them that did the whole like, um, dynamic, like shpow kind of release where like the fingers like touch their shoulder immediately. Most of mm-hmm. them did like a really dead kind of release. You know, I was watching like, uh, like Dwayne Martin comes to mind. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I don't know the bearable world and, and the guys in it very well, but like, cause, and I just watch the finals. Right. I kind of mm-hmm. like watching, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a sports fan, but if I get invited to a Super Bowl party, I'll go grudgingly and watch that. Right. Right. But, um, <clears throat> I was watching all of them and I'm like, and I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed it because someone else mentioned it. And I'm like, yeah, they're not doing they're not doing this like super dynamic, whatever. A lot of them reduce like some pluck, some do a dead release. And I yeah. think it just kind of goes back to <laughs> I think there was one guy that even do had it and do finger. it, do it the same way over and over again. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I think there's I mean, in, in archery, I think. I think separating the aim from the release and then back <clears throat> engaging your back muscles. If you, if you can do those two things, there, there's some other areas that are a little bit flexible in there, I think. And you can yeah. experiment. I don't know. I'm not a coach. I don't know, but <laughs> it's just, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my two cents worth, but no, that's, uh, that's, that's great. So, okay. So we, we can kind of move on for, we, we've, we've dove, yeah. like, oh man, almost 50 minutes into just how to shoot a bow. That's awesome. <laughs> um, this is, yeah. this is perfect. Uh, okay. So let's get into real quick, kind of, um, your, your equipment then. What, sure. uh, I mean, you're, you, you, do, do you do any competitive archery or just, just pure, pure bow? Um, I do. I've done some local shoots. I have a couple shoots, um, 3d shoots within, you know, maybe an hour. Um, I actually have done pretty decent and I, I want to go to some bigger shoots next year. My, my goal next year, um, um, let's see, my, my goal next year is to go to the IBO trad worlds. Yep. Um, and I'd like to go to Lancaster archery, but I'll, I'll tell you the truth about the Lancaster archery shoot. So I, I like a wooden bow. I like a hunting bow. And, um, the, so I, I think six different times <clears throat> I've ordered a 25 inch metal competition riser and it's come to my house and I've opened up the box. I've felt it, looked at it. And I put it back in and send it back and return it. <laughs> I just can't, really, for some reason, I can't bring myself to set up a competition metal bow. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I shoot my hunting bows pretty well. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about maybe taking one of those to Lancaster. I don't know, but for some reason, um, the, the shot of the thought of setting one of those up is like repulsive to me. <laughs> I don't, and I can't explain it. I think they're, they're, I know they're more accurate. I know I'll pick up points with it. Of course, but yeah. It's just so, so non-hunting or non. <laughs> I like a wood bow too. Of course, I've shot some metal ones, but it's just something about the romance of it. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't explain it. But anyway, I'd like to go to Lancaster, I guess, to answer your question. Yeah, um, I've, I've wanted to. Uh, I, I, I had a kind of a hankering for a like a Hoyt Satori, right? Um, yeah. A couple of years ago, and then I was, I was like really kind of like 
interested in it and kind of you know thinking about doing it but then i'm like well I, I went away from that. I went completely opposite and I went, you know, like custom longbows and then I just got an ASL recently and, you know, yeah. and I'm just loving those. And I love, I love the, you know, the, the beauty of it more than, more than that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and to me, like they are two completely, again, speaking from a guy who's never shot a, a, an aluminum bow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, metal riser bow, but they're, they're two completely different things. Cause I know that I would shoot them differently. Um, if I would do any kind of competition bow, then it's like, okay, well, it wouldn't be a Satori because that's more like a hunting bow. That's an ILF. But if you're going to do that, that's kind of like the gray area. Like don't dabble on that unless you just really want to shoot at a Satori. Um, right. you know, yeah. I would, I would go toward the, you know, the WF or the CD archery or, or, or whatever kind of like a path where it's like a dedicated, like bare bow rig. Um, yeah. and sure you could hunt with it, but it would, you know, it'd be like a, like a big riser, long limbs, um, yeah something that you could like string walk i've tried string walking i've tried face crawling i've tried uh, fixed crawling and all that stuff and all the bows yeah. i have um you know my asl is 66 inches but I, I'm, I'm not doing that on that bow but anything else has been like my biggest bow has been like a samic sage before that yeah. you know it's like 62 inch mm-hmm. uh, my other ones here like i said i've got a grizzly that's 58 inch i've got an elkhart that's 56 inch um you can't really walk up and down that string at all without having like really bad tune um, True. you know, for me, I'm sure maybe if someone releases differently or holds differently or plucks differently or whatever, but, uh, it's, it's not something that, you know, I, even anything like more than like a quarter inch for me just feels weird. It sounds different. Uh, the mm-hmm. tune just goes, it's not as what I want, but I'm thinking like, okay, well, if I do a competition rig, I would most definitely change my aiming style. I can't pretty heavy. I probably wouldn't be okay. canting cause I'd have like a pretty <clears throat> big sight window. Um, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong about oh, all yeah. this stuff, but you can tune out all this stuff. And, um, you know, well, I would have, I, probably have some sort of fixed crawl, you know, and yeah, I wouldn't care about noise. <laughs> it's a different game. It's a different animal for sure. And yeah, I have a hard time having two different bows for two different things because to me, like, I don't know. I, I think that the, the wood bows are pretty. I think that a 62 inch bow is like the longest I would ever hunt with. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, hard for me to set up a bow, uh, set up a bow that I wouldn't actually be able to hunt with. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I need to just get over that, but <laughs> um, you know, until I got this ASL, right. I was yeah. like, man, I don't like bows over 60 inch. I've tried them before, you know, whatever, but, uh, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not, again, I haven't been in a tree stand with it other than just a couple times practicing, you know, yeah. at like you know 10 feet up or whatever. But, uh, it is, it is not a problem, you know, that, that I, we all evolve too. Like, I mean, literally True. like six, eight months ago, I was like preaching. I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm never going to have, you know, and now yeah. it's, it's basically the bow that's in my hand, like 90% of the time. Not that I don't love my other ones, but I'm just having too much fun shooting this one. And I'm like, Oh, this is fun to drag around the woods. And it's really not, I can hold it completely sideways. <laughs> nice. How's it, you how's know? it shooting for you? How, how do you like oh, your I'm shooting? Loving it. I'm really loving nice. It. Yeah. Does it have um, any hand shock? It does not. Wow, it does not okay. at all. Okay. Um, nice. You know, even even if I'm not shooting, a, I mean, I'm shooting like it's 45 pounds, you know, mm-hmm. 44 to 45, depending how much yeah. I actually like expand. Um, and I'm shooting. I mean, I was down to like 500 grain. I was and then I'm, I'm back up to like 610 grain. You know what I mean? Nice. It's it's it nice. is absolutely. And this is just, you know, the St. Patrick Lake one that I can vouch for. Right. OK. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 awesome i mean nice. there's no shock no vibration no you know you don't get a headache from shooting you know a yeah. couple of rivers or whatever uh it's yeah i really really like it nice well that's a, that's good to hear that's yeah. intri- that's intriguing <laughs> yeah no it is and it kind of goes against everything you've kind of heard about asls and you know what let me other i i 
I, I don't know, like, because other, when people try ASLs, you know, you really don't know, like, what exactly they're doing. Are they holding it a certain way they're not supposed to be? Are they not shooting heavy enough arrow? Is it out of tune? Um, all kinds of things, you know, so uh, maybe, maybe some of the, the reputation that it has is not deserved, you know, okay. but, but, yeah. but some of it, it is, I guess, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard from reputable people that like, oh yeah, I've tried this bow and I, it, you, you need to hold it. The shot needs to be absolutely perfect with like a 700 grain arrow or it's going to rattle your teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've always heard. It jolts your arm pretty good. But that's no, that's no, cool. That's good to hear. Yeah. It's butter smooth. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, and I'm, you know, like for me, of course I can tell I'm shooting it. Right. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Like if someone were to hand you a bow, Mm-hmm. and say and and kind of blind, blind blindfold you and just kind of stick the grip in your hand right yeah and unless it's like a straight asl grip where you wouldn't you know you'd obviously know it if yeah. someone said okay pull back this bow mm-hmm. i personally can't tell the difference between a recurve and a longbow um yeah. by feel you know what i mean mm-hmm. i just i i, I at least yeah. none of the ones i have um yeah. i'm sure people can but I, maybe I'm just not that good enough to feel the difference in like, oh, the tip's flexing this way. And this is, you know, I mean, because every bow, whether a long bow or recurve, feels different. Every model feels different onto itself. But I can't tell you, oh, this is a recurve and this is a long bow if my eyes were closed. You right. know, I, I just like know, I don't know if yeah. I could. I don't know if I could either. I, I do know there have been some long bows I've drawn back that, that are really stiff in the back end. And I don't know. Maybe they're just not designed for my draw yeah. length. But I, I have. Well, yeah, I mean, I had a Kodiak Magnum that did the same thing, though. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're right. There are uh, there's there's recurves I've had stacked for me. You're right. And yeah. I, I do I have found with the grip, I think personally I believe you can learn to shoot any grip you want, but if you put your mind to it. But I I, agree. I have yep. found that I like a grip that um because I messed with I, I shot a DOS last year, DOS riser, and um, I got an Arcor grip, so I'm right handed, and if the the grip on the the left side it sticks out further than on the right side. So it actually slopes away from you, which is different than 90% of the bows out there. Most of them are rounded and slope in towards you. Since, since I've had that opposite slope on that grip, um, I, I feel like all the group grips that, that slope towards me and around it, I want to, my hand wants to pivot around and kind of rotate in. So I, for some reason, I, I actually just got a widow and I got the Jenkins grip on it, and it, it actually slopes away from me. Um, like I say, and that's just something I picked up on. Like that down I and like. to the left, right? Um, so, yeah, I guess um, what I'm saying is I like that. Uh, yeah, see. <laughs> so if you're if the belly of the bow is facing you, yep. the, the grip, the left side of the grip actually is higher than the right side. So it actually kind of slopes away from you, down away from you to the right. Oh, um, okay, okay. And for some reason, that kind of grip, I can repeat it very easily, and it seems to like stick in my hand. And but I have big thumb pad muscles, um, so I don't know if that has something to do with it. But I am in love with a grip that slopes that direction. And and like I say, ninety percent of your bows out there don't slope that direction. But no, uh, they go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just found interesting. that interesting for myself. It it seems to work. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, there's something for everybody, isn't there? Isn't that great? That's yeah. why you just got to buy all these things. <laughs> exactly. Just buy them and try them. Yeah. Them. So, I've so then bows. I've, I've hunted with a different bow every year since 2016. Um, I usually try to pick up a bow in the spring and, and learn it, and and then I'll sell it, sell and buy another one the next spring. 
Is it because you just want to try different things or like it's not working for you? No, it works for me. Um, I think I want to try different things. I, I feel like if I get a bow and I master it and I get accurate, take some game with it, I feel like I've completed that project and I'd like to try like to try to complete it with another project. But I got gotcha. you with all with all of that, all the all the bows, my arrow tune almost always comes out the same. So I, I like to shoot a bow around 40 pounds, maybe mm-hmm. 40, 42. Yep. And I, that's I kind usually kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I usually end up with a full length 31 inch, uh, 400 spine with about 225 to 275 up front. Um, it's usually about a 500 to 550 grain arrow. And that seems like, even though I shoot different bows, that that's usually the arrow that I end up with. Um, and so, and that seems to work for me. And my sight pictures are usually pretty similar too. Um, one thing I'll mention that you, you mentioned about the fixed crawl. So I, I had shoulder, shoulder surgery, uh, two years ago. And since that surgery, I, it feels really a lot easier to, to have a lower anchor, I guess. So what I, what I do is I actually crawl down the string about an inch and then I still have the feather touch my nose. So my my middle finger is almost down by my chin um, a oh, little wow. bit. And it seems like my shoulder and back muscles rotate around a lot easier compared to if my middle finger is up around my mouth. And uh, I mean, I, it's is not it because your elbow is a lot lower, too? I mean, yeah, is my elbow, like, my elbow is a lot lower and it, okay. and it just feels like everything's more free flowing and smoother coming coming around. And um, I guess that's kind of how Olympic archers shoot with a lower anchor. And I don't know if that's why I, I could, I don't know if that's why, but, um, Oh yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've found for the comfort of engaging my back is, is better doing that. But like I said, that's, that's the cool thing about archery is, is we can all tweak it and, and make it what we want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't know you, uh, didn't know you should. So when you do that, oh, okay, never mind, because the, the arrow's the arrow's still up. Yeah, you just have a big crawl there. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So are you yeah. are you then consciously? You said you're gapping, right? You're, are you are yeah. you consciously consciously aiming? So, mm-hmm. um, how how much of a gap do you have? I mean, forty pound yeah. bow, probably not a ton, right? I mean, no, I've got maybe like a ten inch gap at out to twenty yards. Oh, okay. Um, and then, and then from twenty, yeah, but maybe like I'm I'm hovering the tip about five inches below the deer's belly somewhere okay somewhere okay. around in there and and then when i get out to 30 yards i'm about point on at 30 yards so i've between tw- out to 20 i'm i'm the same and then from like 20 to 30 i lose about eight or 10 inches of elevation so i, w- I mean i wouldn't say it's a flat <laughs> shooting bow but i would never shoot at a deer past 20 yards but you know on the 3d range it's it's fun to mess around with it so yeah, it's it's funny. Like, so I, I've been I've been putting out a lot of stuff on uh, Instagram and uh, and TikTok and things like that, right? Just kind of shooting yeah. shooting stuff mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. you know. But then like yesterday, I did I did one like okay, because you, you always you always see people like shooting, just perfect shots, nice tight fist size groups or whatever, you know, slapping arrows and this like that. But you never yeah. see the ones where like people kind of stretch their their limits, right? So like those are like yeah. 15 and under and 20, I got to really concentrate. So yeah. I did one, took a little little like Instagram reel or whatever, you can check it out. But um, mm-hmm. it's me at 25 with that ASL, like under, like 15 and under. I mean, I'm, I'm hitting like, like stump shooting leaves, you know, center punching nice. them, like beautiful, right? 
Um, yeah. But yeah. it's such a heavy arrow, first of all, and it's it, it takes, you know, a good proper expansion and alignment. I mean, it'll keep you honest, that bow. Um, yeah. That a 25, I mean, I was bigger than a beach ball, you know, about the size of a beach ball. Right, and right. I'm like, okay, so this is this is like like reality here. This is what like honest like, you know, it's everything you see on on social media is not what 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 people are actually doing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely I think people not. Need to be no. honest with that. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think that's man, that's really dangerous. Social media is really really dangerous because you know it's basically just the best highlight reel. You know, you see guys posting their bow leaning up against the target. And there's like three arrows, mm-hmm. you know, like like a golf ball size group. Yeah. But then you get to looking, and they have arrow holes all over the target. There's yeah. There's holes that are like a foot away from the bullseye, like splattered all over it. And obviously they they hit there too, but they didn't post those mm-hmm. pictures. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But and I always know. try to, I always try to do the caveat. Like, uh, if I post something like that, I'm like, okay, this is, uh, in fact, I'll kind of do like a tongue in cheek. This is my best Insta group of the day. You know, not, <laughs> right, not right. all the groups are this good, you know, keep right. practicing kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and, and you know, a good way to keep, that's a great way to keep yourself honest. It's like, you know, do a blank piece of paper or blank target or whatever, and then say, I'm actually going to post this or, yeah. or go live, you know, do the live, um, uh, Facebook live or whatever. Right. And shoot. And yeah. that's a lot of pressure. And then it, it, you know, it's it's not trying to, you know, like pardon the expression, but it's not like a big dick contest. But it's, you're not trying to you're not trying to like um, uh, prove anything to anybody, but like m- maybe to yourself, like okay, like I I post all these awesome pics, and like you said, with the arrow, you know, kind of hang or the the bow kind of like draped over the arrows, you know, and the target still. Look at me, but yeah, um, do do you really think you can you can do? Oh, that stuff when when people are watching, you know? Right. Well, yeah. Basically, if if that's your if that's your average group, then you should be taking all the first places away from John Demmer. Then exactly. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why do we not know of you? <laughs> you should be you should be beating John Demmer by twenty points every day. <laughs> exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yep. right. That's right. Yeah. So, um. Okay. So so what are you going to be shooting this year then? What, what's yeah. the boat? Well, the I, widow you yeah. said, or I have a black widow, sixty inch PSA. Uh, 42 pounds and um, uh, shooting um, shooting so I, I I like this the um, the arrows I find are their victory V force uh, sport they're like five bucks for a bear shaft it's not too bad and they've done pretty well for me um, I'll, I'll be shooting that arrow with a hundred grain insert and a hundred and twenty five grain magnus buzz cut and I I found there's there's these weight adapters I've got from Three Rivers, and they they come in 25 grain, um, 50 grain, and 75 grain, and basically they they screw into your insert and they're like three quarters of an inch long, and then on the other end is basically the same thread. It's like a male and a female thread, um, so it, so you can add weight and it actually extends your arrow by about three quarters of an inch. You know, yeah. I just saw those yesterday. I was looking at uh, uh, brass inserts for uh, the 2016 aluminums here, and okay. I came I came across those things. So it's funny you say that. I literally yeah. was looking at this yesterday. I will. Yeah, I, I think they're handy. I will tell you, don't use the 25 grain aluminums. They bend way too easy. They they bend just by looking cross-eyed at them, and and you're in trouble. But the the 50 grain and the the uh, 75 grain are solid steel. Then I've, I've found some pretty good durability and, and straightness 
integrity with those. So hmm. yeah, I'll be shooting that 100 grain brass insert with the 75 grain adapter and the 125 grain Magnus buzz cut. And you know, I, I've I've had good luck with the Magnus buzz cuts. Um, there's a lot of broadheads out there you can have good luck with. I'm I'm not the kind of guy that I'm like, you know what, you you got to shoot this broadhead or you're an idiot. I'm kind of more like I'm kind of like you know if it's sharp and it flies true. Um, and, and you feel confident with it, then, then go do it. Um, that's kind of where, it's kind of where I'm, I am, but I've, I've had a lot of good experience with the buzz cut and, and that's what I'll be using this year too. So. Okay. Are you, um, oh, I, what do you, are you shooting off the shelf on that thing or uh, elevated rest of some sort? Uh, or? I'm, sh- I'm using a, um, a, an adhesive, like a little adhesive plastic rest with like the little arm on it. Okay. So, yeah. Cause I, I like that. I, I either have to do that or I have to put one of those little rubber arrow grabbers on it. Cause, cause I like to, to, to keep my arrow held on the shelf. So, um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So I like I, the, I, uh, the weather rest. It's, uh, yeah. cause it's got the little hook, uh, hook arm on there, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Dude, it's funny mm-hmm. as we speak, shame, shameless plug here. So, um, yeah. I kind of came up with this like leather, leather rest with a bump, right? I, uh, okay. I, you know, I, I like shooting off of, uh, I like I like the durability of leather. This is like an exclusive, by the way. Okay. So as we speak right now, I'm I'm on my wife's like little cricket, uh, little sliding cutter thing over here. Okay. You know, a little uh, what a knife cutter, and I'm actually like assembling these things uh, that you know Three Rivers said that they're going to carry. So I'm pretty uh-huh. excited about it. I'm about to send nice. my first. Uh, yeah, I'm about to send my first uh, chunk of uh, chunk of these to them. So I, I I've been shooting off these things for like about a year. And, uh, I love the weather rest, right? I've never, ever had an issue with it. You know, I've never had one like come off the glue, come off, nothing like that. Right. Right. But, um, on some of these shelves that, um, uh, there's so many variations of like, like shelf designs and things like that, especially on older bows. Um, you know, like the bears, like the grizzlies are like dead flat, right? The 59 Kodiaks are dead flat. Um, and, and even, even, you know, I mean, what have I got it on here? I got it on my Grizzly. I got, I, I used to have it on my L card. I kind of took it off, but anyway, I like, I like leather because leather, okay. um, has, you know, wears really, really well. Right. It doesn't, right. it's not like Velcro where it goes down to nothing, but I still wanted a little bit of a bump. So this has a little bit of a bump sandwiched in between, you know, a couple pieces of leather that's like stick on, you're going to trim, you know, trim the size and put on like, like any other rest. You know, I was trying to, I was trying to do like a, uh, like a pre-cut, pre-shape, but I mean, there's there's so many variations of uh, of, of shelf designs and curvatures and stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's I I, I find cool. yeah, and and it, and it keeps it like it's such a tiny bump, and it keeps it like really low to the center line, yeah. um, without raising it up um, like a like a weather rest does. Again, I love okay. a weather rest. I ran them forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I'm <laughs> I'm literally Very slicing cool. these. Uh, <laughs> as we yeah, talk I've, right see, now. I've, that's pretty cool. I because I've messed sometimes when I shoot off the shelf, I'll cut like a little piece of eighth inch wood and like slide it under my rest, and then mm-hmm. and then just make a little bump. But that's pretty sweet. It sounds like you already have the bump in it. And uh, so it does, yeah. So it's um and it and it's got it's it's leather, right? So it's got a little bit of like cush to it. Now this this could be complete bro science. Um, you know, Cody Greenwood could, you know, shoot this down or whatever. But I, I always, I always felt like when I, I used to do like the little like nail 
or a uh, little, you know, really, really skinny, like toothpick or something like underneath yeah. uh, Velcro. But okay. I always found that like at that one spot, because it's such one hard kind of point that the yeah. arrow slides across all the time, you wear down that Velcro to nothing, you know, okay. especially if, you, if you're not like perfectly tuned, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you got a bad tune, you're going to wear down anything, right? Like a too, too stiff an arrow or whatever, it's going to wear down, wear that down. But um, yeah. I, I just didn't like that. And, and I didn't like the... To, to me like a hard point on a hard point like the hard meaning like the arrow crisscrossing yeah. with the hard uh you know perpendicular like uh uh you know nail or or toothpick or whatever i always found that one little spot just i don't know maybe it's mental maybe there's nothing to it completely in my head but i always found like something a little bit cushier um okay. kind of is a little more forgiving you know but not nice. too cushy you know what i mean yeah, so this, I mean, this yeah you think about like a plunger most plungers and rest kind of flex a little bit so Exactly. Yeah, they got yeah. the spring your rest got got you know they're they're rated by how much like flex they have, right? I guess. Right. Yeah. So springy rest. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I've got I've got a stack over here that I'm about to assemble. So. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks. I mean, who knows? I, I don't know if anyone's gonna actually buy them, yeah. and I might make like seventy five cents a piece off of them. But you know, it's one yeah. of those things where I'm like, you know, I I mean, I shoot a lot, and yeah. I tried all the other stuff. I tried the, um, you know, the Velcro was in the. Uh, uh, you know, all the other, you know, furniture pads and, and whatnot. And it's like, mm. there's got to be a better way that's like longevity wise and just, just barely gives you a little bit of a bump. And this, this happens to be what's awesome. worked for me. I mean, I've been shooting for the past year on the, on these two bows and I've got like, like no appreciable wear. So and I didn't mean to make them a commercial, uh, commercial about me, no, but, um, that's, it's your podcast. No, no, no. Awesome. Um, so, uh, any big, uh, any big hunting plans? Are you just going to stick around Ohio? Are you, um, are you, are yeah. you going anywhere? I know you guys do some, some, um, I, I'd love to talk about the elk hunt and, and all that stuff, you guys, and any other, uh, out of state stuff, but I'd rather do that on another podcast when you guys can both be on. Yeah. But, that'd be um, sweet. Actually, that'd be cause, a lot cause of that could be a whole podcast in itself, but like what, what, what's, what's your plans, uh, whitetail wise. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, I, I tell you what, just, I do a lot of um, in-person scouting, um, and just this morning at daylight, I, I got some video and picked up that uh, this buck called the Flyer 10 is still alive, and I have three years of history with that buck. And oh my god, he's a homebody. He's a homebody on the farm that I hunt, and he, he's kind of walking in the same footsteps as the Big 10, 163 inch I killed um, in 2000. Or no, yeah, 2020 I killed, and, and this this dude is kind of taking his place, and they they look pretty identical, um, but the the Big Ten had bigger brows, but this dude's got like a a three inch kicker off of one of his G2s. Anyway, con- confirmation Jeez. that that he's alive and and running the same area, so I'm optimistic that I may get an arrow shot at that buck. Um, we'll see. It takes a lot of luck, <laughs> a lot of luck, <laughs> but um, I, I I have enough history that i may be able to put the puzzle together so that's kind of my plan and i'm not going out of state or anything um i usually just stay pretty local and have a couple farms i I hunt that the the farmers want some does taken off so i'll try to try to make the farmer happy and um, i share the farm with other hunters so you know anything could happen but uh but that yeah that's that's my plan um and uh so that's, are you uh are you are you mobile at some of these or do oh, you have yeah. like presets on these farms or, or, do you just, mo- or even yeah i'm 100 percent mobile um i i do have one ground blind that i put in and it's on a tight funnel mm-hmm. off across the pond dam 
that really brings a lot of cruising bucks by it. And I will set a ground blind at that location, but everything else is hundred percent mobile. Um, I, I, for every three hour hunt that I, I go on, you know, I probably scout six hours. I would, I would, if I don't have, have something lined up, I would rather sit and observe or drive roads and observe for an evening than just hop in a tree and hope for the best. Um, mm-hmm. I've killed, I've killed so many deer by seeing movement from far off and then moving in the next day and killing them. Um, that's, and, and I, I do a lot of, uh, scouting. I'll, I'll go in and, um, I'll, I'll freshen up a scrape. Um, just last year I started experimenting more with, with mock scrapes. I'll freshen it up, put a camera over it and see if anything hits it. You usually, if a, if a buck is hitting that scrape within an hour after dark, he's going to be killable probably on a cold front or red moon. Cold front and a red moon. Cause he's moving sooner. So yeah. To kill them, I've killed my bucks the last three years. I've all been killed before October 17th. And I, I have a I have a strategy. I, I think if you're within 100 yards of their bed, if it's a cold front and it's a red moon, you've got a really good chance of killing that buck in October. Um, and I, that's what I've done the past three years. So hmm. um, it's not 100% guarantee, but but there's a, there's a really good chance, you know, if he's bedded outside the hundred yard range, then probably not, probably not going to happen. Um, if it's, if it's not a cold front, probably not going to happen. And then, and then the red, the red moon is the bonus. Now I don't hunt a lot of hunts. I have a high success rate. Um, I, I like to wait for the right conditions before I go in. Um, and, and it, it's helped me out a lot. So do you, do yeah. you do the same thing on on public? I mean, do you, do you change your strategy at all for public versus private and these, you know, these farms? I don't, or? I don't hunt public. Um, I don't. I my buddy, other guy in shedding light, Josh. He hunts a lot of public, and he'll do, he, he does well. I take that back. He hunts every opportunity he gets. I I don't think he's patient on public, but he's killed a lot of nice bucks. I think he, he almost on public. You just got to be out there. Um, I don't know if he really waits for cold fronts or not. Um, I think he's just, but if I did hunt public, I think I would wait for a cold front, but there's so few of them in October. I don't know. I don't have any much experience hunting public. So I, okay. I okay. would feel like, I would feel like you just need to be out there to kill them. Um, cause, cause with my private farms, I run, I run the risk of blowing them off the farm. So that's one reason that I'm, I'm patient and I wait for the right conditions. Um, sure. but I think if it was public, I think every opportunity to go would be smart to be out there. Um, I don't know if that yeah. makes sense or not. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. yeah, it does. No. And that's kind of the situation I'm in. Like I pretty much have to take advantage of, um, in, any opportunities that I can, um, mm-hmm. and, and try to make the best of it. You know, last couple of years, it's been, um, just, just been weird with, uh, uh, like my work schedule, my wife's work schedule. So I'm, I'm, I'm basically, uh, it might change this year, you know, but I mean, yeah. I've been 10, 10 to two, you know what I mean? Is kind of doing okay. a lot of bow, bow hiking midday because I got to drop my daughter off and I got to pick her up from school. So, um, yeah. I need to be, I can't get in there earlier and I need to be out of the woods. No questions. Can't, can't be late. Can't, you know, <laughs> get stuck, right, right. uh, go, go pick her up, you know, make sure I make it back in time. So, um, I've, I've, I've found some amazing spots that I would love to sit and I have yeah. like, I've got, it's like a pin cushion, you know, my, my onyx looks like, but, um, 
great. So I, I'm at the point now. I'm like, man, okay. So where, which, you know, what, what's going to give me like, what's what's going to be my like my opening day uh, spot? You know what I mean? Right. That's that's kind of that's kind of what I'm I'm at because I want the highest. Obviously, I mean, I want the highest chance of success. You know, and and, and I'm not like a buck chaser or like horn chaser or whatever. Like I don't care. Like because I'm still trying to get one down with a stick bow. I see. Um, I so see. you know. Um, yeah, I yeah would, that's well uh, good luck man i hope it works out for you hope yeah, you can find too. a hot hot oak tree or something that that looks really good and and get get one right there hopefully yeah it, it's funny know. all the all the hot oak trees so far yeah. and, and i'm are either at like the uh, the archery range <laughs> or uh, or they're like right off the road literally like in like in the um uh there, there's there's one spot that i that i found last year and I mean, it's literally raining acorns, right? But I mean, wow. it's right off like the, the gravel, the gravel road, you know, where you're yeah. like, you know, kind of park in. But I mean, you, obviously, you can't hunt there. It's it's a it's a technically it's a public road. You know what I mean? So, right, um, right. I'm it, as far as the acorns and stuff go. Like for some reason, I I like I know what to look for. I know what's fresh. I know what's not fresh. I know, you know. But I, I'm either not able to get there, um, and hunt them soon enough in the season. Okay. Um, because, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, and then they, and they've just stopped being hot. You know what I mean? Cause uh-huh. like right now they're right. starting to, I mean, right now there's, there's some, there's, there's growing acorns in, in some of these spots and we had like a really big wind, uh, the other day and a lot of them are down. <laughs> they're not even ripened. They don't even have a cap on them yet. You know, it's like, oh man. Uh-huh. So yeah, they'll, early. they'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, but we'll see. I mean, I, 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 I try. I've got some really, really good spots as far as that goes. Good, um, good. It's just being able to being able to, to get out there and, and and get to them. So is that what you hunt at the mainly? right time? Mostly public then is what you hunt. Yeah, mo- mostly public, and then okay. uh, you know during rifle season, you know I'll, I'll head up to my buddy's uh, place up north here, and you know maybe okay. like do a day or two, like one day rifle, one day muzzle yeah. loader. Like I'll literally drive up at three a.m. and then drive back at the end of the day, kind of thing. Nice a few okay. hours and then you know but that's but other than that it's 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 a lot of bow hiking and a lot of squirrel hunting and <laughs> yeah all right yeah well good, good luck to you man i hope i really hope it works out and uh yeah no me, me, me too i'm I, i'm excited though i mean I'm, i get excited every year i just like being out there plus you know yeah. you went on your way in and out or whatever you get the stump shoot so for sure yeah yeah <laughs> i did so, a lot of that during so much season fun this year. Yeah. Oh, so much stump shooting turkey season this year. It was great. It was actually great because I had just recently gotten that ASL too. So oh, I got yeah. a lot of like field time with like broadheads, you know, small game broadhead. I, my broadheads okay. are like, um, uh, it's like my stump shooting. I don't really shoot at stumps because I always find that, you know, you always misjudge either how rotted it is and it just blows right through and you never find it because <laughs> there's a right. lot of like uh, swampy, marshy, you know, areas that, that, that I hunt here. So if it's, if it's through, it's, it's gone. Right. Yeah. Or it's like way more solid than you thought it was going to be. And it just, you know, all of a sudden things. Tip. Yeah, it does that, and it bounces the knock out of the backside of the arrow, yeah. and you never find it and stuff like that. But I do a lot into like dirt mounds, like 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 side hills and um, yeah. you know rises and things like that. So into, into dirt, and I got a lot of that time in this this year. It was so much fun. So you know, it, awesome. it, it builds confidence. But yeah, so okay, good, good. Yeah, man. All right, so we're uh, God, we're an hour and twenty into this. So is there anything we didn't cover? Anything else you want to kind of go over before I let you go here? I know you're. Uh, taking time out of your day here uh no i mean just one thing i would say to guys is i see it all the time on social media they'll 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 be looking for shooting advice or they'll be posting a shot and be like hey how's my form give me any tweaks or or what's your advice i i cringe when i see that if if you're wondering that please seek out a coach seek out tom clum shot iq course seek out uh rod jenkins 
um, some Joel Turner stuff. Like, I I would not suggest going to social media for shooting advice. Um, that is my two cents. I, I hope no one's offended by that. But but seek out a, a real coach, um, and uh, and I think you'll be further ahead quicker. That's, I, that's I agree, point. and I'm I'm guilty of you know being one of those guys that would like you know because you want to help right, and you would like offer yeah. advice, but then like the more. Just like we've just like we've been talking about this entire episode, right? The yeah. more you get into this, the more you shoot. Your like thoughts change. The way you do things change. You, the way yeah. you know you, you think, oh, this this is never going to work. Do it this way. But then now you're like, oh shit, I'm doing it that way now. You know, yeah. whether it's like the the right way or not. So I've kind of backed off from uh, from offering all that kind. Of, I mean, if if someone says, hey, you know, what am I doing wrong? And it's an obvious like sideboard, like really right. bad pluck. I'll be like, dude, you're plucking really hard, right? right but other right. than that, I'm not going to tell them, no, you shouldn't name or no, you shouldn't do that or no, you shouldn't do split vision or, or whatever, because who knows what, you know, their, yeah. their, their development is going to be from, you know, in the next, in their journey. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So where can everyone find you? Um, yeah, we, um, I have, um, actually I don't have an Instagram personally, but shedding light outdoors has uh we have an instagram page and you can usually keep up with my adventures and hunts there and then we also have a facebook page shedding light outdoors and also uh we have youtube channel shedding light outdoors and i think on our channel i might have nine or ten trad videos on there now so basically every traditional harvest i've had since 2018 um is on that channel i've also i also made a a video called uh, "It's Overcoming the Struggle with Traditional Archery," and it, it kind of talks about my roller coaster ride that I had from the struggle to becoming um, a little better. Um, so yeah, check that out. You might find something interesting there. And uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. So. Cool, awesome. Well, why don't you hang on with me here while I while I wrap up? So um, th- thanks for being on again. I appreciate it. I know this was kind of midday, so uh, I appreciate you taking your time. So everybody, if you like this, uh, make sure you go uh, go check Travis out and go check out the channel. Lots lots of good hunts out there, um, or lots of good videos out there on, on their channels and stuff. And um, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. This it's really important. Uh, Bow Hunting Soul YouTube channel. Again, I'm putting out stuff. I'm trying to put out little mini tiny like you know 15 you know like tick 15 second, 30 second, whatever TikTok and Instagram reels and all that stuff. And I'm just trying to hit kind of social media a little harder just to get a little more exposure and stuff. So check that stuff out. And then, of course, I'm going to be starting the um, uh, the Push Archery Center of Knowledge uh, courses very, very soon here. So if you guys want to check that stuff out, go check out. Uh, it's the pusharchery.com and then check out the, the pack there. So, um, all right, with that said, thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you next time. <laughs>